before you do your first workout, before you find a workout program, before you do anything else, any other goal in health and fitness, sit down and be honest with yourself. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rachel J podcast. We're talking all things wellness and a lifestyle to help you do life better. I'm your host, Rachel J, and it's been so great seeing everyone enjoying the recent episodes. Again, thank you for tuning in and listening. I know some of you have been listening to the podcast for a while, but you may not be subscribed. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. It makes such a difference and it will help us grow the podcast for you so we can have more inspiring conversations and learn more from our amazing guests. This week, I'm very excited to be sitting down with Sweat Trainer, creator of the Power Program and host of the Redefine Fitness Podcast. Welcome to the show. Kelsey Wells. Hello, thank you. Hi, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm honored to be here. I want to say that you flew all the way from Utah just to be here. But that's <laughs> I would have. <laughs> but I'm very excited. Now, you must have been to Australia many times to see Kayla and the sweat team. I've been, so I actually counted because I was asked earlier and this is my 18th trip. Oh my goodness. Sure. I could have missed one or two, but 18? at least 18. Out, yeah. of, out of how many years? Since two, my first trip, I believe, was... October 2015. Wow. Or 2016. Eight years. Nine, I need to... Eight years. Nine years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, crazy. That's but crazy. I love it. I love it so much. That's a lot of frequent fly- flyer points. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. We've been able to go on some family vacays with those miles, so it's been great. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I love that. So what's the, now that you've been here so many times, what's the one thing that you love about Australia, that you can get in Australia that you love here okay, that you listen. can't get in the US? Coffee. Coffee. I will die on this hill. Australian coffee is the best. Yeah, bar right. none. I don't, it's not Europe. It's not anywhere else. It is Australian coffee. I don't know what it is. I have tried to figure it out. I, I, don't, I think it has something to do with the milk to coffee ratio. Yes. It's just better here. But also it's got to be the quality of the beans. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm telling you, it's the best coffee. Whenever I land, the first thing I need is a latte. And I, I love the coffee. I also love the chocolate. The chocolate here is What superior. kind of chocolate is it? I really love Maltesers. Yeah, no, They're just I like them. so good. The honeycomb flavor, particularly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the Aussie chocolate that I've tried, though, is amazing. You've tra- obviously had Tim Tams, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. The Kit Kats here, yeah. um, they're way different than back home, and they're way better. Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah. So. It's crazy because I feel like, well, firstly, like, I've spent a bit of time in the States, and I love American coffee. I know it tastes like shit sometimes, <laughs> but <laughs> but the cr- – because we don't have creamer here. Okay. So, like, if you get just a flat there's, – There's plus and minuses. Yeah, yeah. Like, back home, you have all the really fun creamers and flavors, yeah. but the coffee needs creamers and flavors exactly. to be to taste good. And yeah. here, my order is a latte. Yeah. Back home, my order is, like, a tall Americano – with three pumps, sugar-free vanilla, light sweet cream, like it, the list goes on. So yeah. it's like, you know, they're yeah. they're two different things. They are. They I've really learned are. to love them both. Yeah. The other thing that I really like though about um, the states, and this is not healthy at all, but um, cheese puffs. We you can <laughs> you can get them here, right? But like, what kind of cheese puffs? Like like the like, like Cheetos, Cheetos, cheese puffs. Okay, okay, right. We can we, you can get them here, but they they just don't taste very uh-huh. good. Um, we do junk food really well. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. that is not healthy is amazing over there. That's, no, that's <laughs> for sure. It's gonna taste good. Yeah. Now, how is your Aussie accent as well? Because now that you've been here for eighteen times, are you are you? How do you feel that? You I can, feel like I can mimic it pretty well. You can, but I can't just like bust it out. 
you know, are you, ga- are you game accord. enough to give us a little bit of a? Are you game enough to give us a little bit of a? Yeah, that's pretty good. It's not, uh, pretty it's not good. that good. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I go English when I try to do it. Do you hear the difference or not really? Um, when I'm around people, yes. Yeah. But if I just try to do an Australian accent, it will come out as like a British accent. Yeah. But I do pick up words like or little things that I don't know that now like we at my home, like my husband and my son and I will say things that are Australian words that we don't remember aren't normal. Yeah. Like I started saying sus like a really? long time ago. Like, oh, have a sus. Like go suss it out. Like I picked that up on one of my first trips and now it's just like a core word for us. And people are like, what? Where'd you get that from? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I love that. I don't know. That's I feel like if good. I had a quiz of Australian slang, I would ace it though. You'd know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like you've been been here so many times. It's like, it's going to be your your second <laughs> accent, I feel like. It's your second home. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, I think one of the reasons why people love you so much and love to follow you and your fitness journey is because so many people have started off their journey like, like you, you know, before you were in the fitness space. And it, I think it's cool for people to see because you're a living example of, of how fitness can really change someone's life. And so I really want to go back to that journey because like I said, I think, I think women look at you and, and might think like, well, there's no way that I could be as fit as Kelsey, you know, and, and be in that great shape. But take me back to before essentially you were in mm-hmm. fitness and before you were in the fitness industry. Um, what specifically, I feel like I could talk for hours and hours about, you know, this journey, but is there, I guess, like, you're right. First of all, I think there's, I, anyone who knew me from, you know, any point in my life until I was 25 would, would have been or is or was so shocked that I am now a trainer, right? Like I never exercised regularly. Um, I didn't enjoy it in any sense. I was just not, I didn't understand health or nutrition at all. I had absorbed a lot of very toxic diet culture rhetorics that um, were doing me a lot of harm that I didn't even realize, right? But definitely the fact that I'm here on this path and that this is my profession and, and you know, my own personal story is a, is a shock for sure. Um, it's not anything that I think anyone could have seen coming, but I also think that it's important, like you mentioned, to for everyone to understand that health and fitness is for everyone. And it's not, um, it shouldn't be something that's like an optional box of life that you either like subscribe or you don't. Yeah. It's it shouldn't be something either that like stresses you out or that you that has a certain look to it. And it most definitely shouldn't be tied to so many of the harmful, toxic things that are trying to sell it. We are all alive. And if you're alive, you have a physical body and therefore you have health. And your health is multifaceted. It's mental and emotional and spiritual as well as physical. And you're on your health journey, period, so long as you are alive and you cannot fail it. You are, it's just part of you. Whether or not you acknowledge it, whether or not you are um, cognizant of that, your choices are affecting your health. Yeah. Your everyday choices. And so I lived, you know, until 25 years old, completely unaware of that. And then I became aware pretty rapidly and quickly. And um, I had a lot of work to do to, to heal and then become healthier. Yeah. And that's a journey that I'm always going to be on. So as is everyone. Yeah. 
I feel like you just mentioning there just those toxic diet culture messaging and all those kinds of things. Do you remember what the most prominent ones were for you that you were told by whatever messaging? I mean, I really all of it. I I thought that exercise was something that you did if you ate, you know, quote, too much. I thought that exercise was a chore. It was a punishment. It was something that you did to shrink yourself, period, because you should always be smaller and take up less space. I thought that nutrition or eating healthy meant eating less. I thought that eating healthy meant the latest fad diet from the magazine, which was essentially starving yourself. Um, I thought that the smaller someone was, the healthier they were. I thought that... um, I would love myself more if I looked differently. I thought that I'd be worthier if I looked a certain way. I thought that however I was wasn't enough. Mm. And I think that's at the root of most of it. Yeah. And you also buy into the whole thing that confidence essentially can be bought. And none of those things are true. Yeah. None of them. But when you are inundated with all of these lies from before you can walk and talk and you're fed these messages boldly and subconsciously, maybe in your own home from your parents or um, certainly culturally and in my case, very much subliminally to myself, you know, it's it's hard to know that that's not real and it's hard to separate health out of all of that. Yeah. And that's why as a professional now, I am on a mission to redefine fitness at large in my industry and most importantly on an individual level for as many people and especially women as I possibly can. Because redefining fitness for myself and dismantling those toxic self-limiting beliefs it saved me in a very real way. Yeah, and I feel like just you talking about those beliefs, they're such, firstly, negative beliefs. And if I were to repeat them in my mind myself even, what it feels like to embody those beliefs is a completely, yeah, it's a complete, and I can see it also when you're telling me about it, that you remember what it feels like to believe those things. Yeah, and I and I feel like a lot of women completely can relate to that. I'm sure, even if they've not too many, yeah. too many, right? I mean, and and the thing is, I think women don't really speak. They might not speak about this to their friends or anybody else. It's just something that they absorb and then carry. Yeah, I mean, it's even worse. It's it's glorified in a sense. Mm. Uh, making fun of yourself in jest is socially acceptable. Yeah. Saying like, oh, I was so bad I ate pizza. Like totally socially acceptable. Like um, skipping the burger for a salad is like praised. And that's so backwards. Yeah. And it's like, it's even, you know, going deeper than that, a woman who is self-conscious and picking herself apart or scrutinizing herself is socially acceptable, but a woman who is confident and in her power and sees a photo of herself and is like, I look amazing. I'm so beautiful. I am strong. And it's just confident is conceited. 
mm-hmm. and is stuck up. And so there's these um, norms that need to be switched. And I do feel like there is a shift happening. I feel like 2023, you know, the year of the Barbie, Miss Taylor Swift, Beyonce, like it was a girl's girl's year. And I feel like we are learning that we are meant to take up space and that the world needs women to be in their power and that will only and always help heal this world, Mm. not the other way around. But it's so hard because you it has to start on such a individual level for every single woman, and that journey is going to look different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really love what you said there about, I mean, we're seeing these figures in the media and, and public spaces where I think we need to see that. We just need to see it because it shows that it's possible and it shows, it gives us an example of how we can do things differently than yeah. we have done in the past, right? And I know, I feel like as women, we go through different seasons of, I guess, having different relationships with our bodies, Mm -hmm. right? And that shifts and it changes throughout Mm -hmm. our lives. And I actually saw one of your posts, which you were talking about body image and mental health and all those kinds of things. And there were a few different pictures of you along your journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to know, you know, these pictures are from when you were in your teens, before you had your baby, and then now. What has been your past experience with navigating through body image, but also your relationship with your body before you were a mum, when you were in your teens and going through that period, those younger years. Because I think that's something that we all as women, that's a really, that sometimes shapes how we see our bodies and ourselves as we come into adulthood. And maybe we can discover where those beliefs start to come from. Sure. I think I'm like, how do I, where do I want to start? You know, I I think there's so much to be said here. Um, Most certainly, it's hard to pinpoint, Mm. but most certainly none of us are born into this life hating our bodies. Little kids are vibrant and confident and full of life and they move their bodies and use their bodies and are proud of their bodies and are comfortable in their skin. And I don't know where along the line that gets lost. I think unfortunately for most people, especially most women, it does. And I think going back to what I said earlier about all of the things we're inundated with, on a cultural and societal level, it happens. But what's less important than why or when that starts to happen is the paramount importance of the realization that if you have arrived into adulthood and you are in a space where you don't have a good or kind or loving relationship towards yourself and your physical body, First of all, that's not your fault. I'm not usually about victimizing ourselves, but I think it is important to acknowledge and bring awareness that you are a victim of all of these diet culture rhetorics, and that's not your fault. But second, and more importantly, you can change it. But you can't change it unless you're aware of it. And so just being really honest with, honest with yourself about 
your relationship with yourself is so important. And I think that that kernel of awareness and that self-reflection is the first step in your health journey. Before you do your first workout, before you find a workout program, before you do anything else, any other goal in health and fitness, sit down and be honest with yourself. What is my relationship like with my body? How do I see myself? How do I speak to myself in my head? What is my internal dialogue? Is it negative? What is my reaction to myself in the mirror, in photos? Is it negative? How do I, am I kind to myself in my mind, right? And how much of my worth and value am I assigning to my physical appearance in the first place? All of these very, um, like, uncomfy questions are where you start to heal and become healthier. And for me, these things kind of hit me in the face. And this awareness came when I was postpartum after I had my son. And I had, unfortunately for me, or I guess I can't really say unfortunately because my story is my story, but I couldn't see it or I think I could see it, but I just ignored it or I just thought it was normal um, until I was at like a rock bottom of sorts. And it was kind of the perfect storm of um, a very negative self-talk and view of myself and mistreating my body um, for a long time and also um, postpartum mental health challenges and also being physically less fit and less able than I ever had been in my youth or my adolescence or my early adulthood. And so all of these things combined, I had this moment where I realized, oh my God, I'm not healthy. And it actually didn't have to do with the fact that I couldn't do a sit-up or a push-up or like my physical activity level was less. And it didn't predominantly have to do with the fact that I didn't recognize myself in the mirror and that I was bigger than I'd ever been. It mostly had to do with the fact that hating your body, Mm. it hurts deep in your soul. Yeah. And I had this moment where I was holding my son and I just realized if he looked at or viewed himself the way that I was looking at and viewing myself, the thought killed me. And he deserved better, but also I deserved better. And I felt like I couldn't be, everything just came. It came so clear and so sharp about um, where I was at and that I was struggling with my mental health, struggling with my emotional health, my self-talk, my self-image, struggling with my physical health. But that awareness was the catalyst to everything. And so that's why I say like you must get honest with yourself as your first step. And the second piece to that is once you do, there's no place for shame You don't need to judge. It is what it is. You are who you are. You are where you are. And you are how you are. 
And honestly, not one part of that is wrong. Maybe the way you're seeing yourself, viewing yourself, and treating yourself is unhealthy and you can do better. But who and how you are is never wrong. And I don't believe one part is by mistake. And so having the awareness of your relationship with you and then accepting that without shaming yourself for any part of it, that except if, if awareness is the catalyst, then acceptance is the bridge into action. And you can take action and you can change everything. You can change your whole life. And I did. And I've seen tens of thousands of women do this all over the world from all different backgrounds and walks of life. But damn, you have to start with those hard questions and that honesty. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing because I feel like I can feel that it, you know, when you're sharing that story and and what you're going through, it's those moments of when you hit that rock bottom and you really deeply feel it. And I love what you said there about how you need to be honest with yourself, but then also the acceptance piece. That's huge. Huge. Because without that part, there's no moving forward. No. Because you could stay stuck in that loop, literally, have those same negative beliefs, shame yourself for having those beliefs. And I did. It goes years. round and round and round in circles. And I, and I feel like so many of us do that mm-hmm. where it's almost like I feel like you, there are things that you know about yourself deep down and maybe for whatever reason you don't want to look at it at that point in time and then you'll just continue sure. the cycle, right? And, sure. and we've all done it. We all do it mm-hmm. in different areas of our lives. But I really love that. That's that's the bridge there, like you said, the acceptance piece, being honest and accepting this is where you're at and there's nothing wrong with you for being in this position. But that's when you can actually make changes mm-hmm. from an empowered position. Absolutely. Right? That You're exactly right. And I do just want to reiterate, like, you cannot hate your way into self-love. You cannot shame or judge yourself into change, into positive change. It doesn't work like that. But also giving yourself grace and accepting those things without the guilt or the shame or the judgment is imperative. And also it just makes sense because honestly, I mean, I look at my personal journey like I was doing my best. You know, like I think of my, my pregnancy. I didn't have a healthy pregnancy in any sense but I was doing the best that I was capable of doing at that time. And if you, like, instead of being hard on yourself for why you are where you are or how you are at a certain aspect of your life, think about what you've faced. Think about what you've been through and show yourself some grace and love for all of that. You know, like you are where you are again, I think for a reason and there's never cause for shaming yourself. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that's such an important lesson to learn across all areas, whatever it is that you're going through in life. So as you were talking about there, your pregnancy was obviously a pivotal time in your fitness journey and your life essentially, not just fitness. But, and we spoke about earlier that pressure that we feel societally and culturally. Were you feeling the pressure more when you were pregnant or postpartum? (laughs) <laughs> and what did that look like for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I remember finding out I was pregnant and I was like, oh, this is it. Like, 
I've tried so many times to start a workout program or, you know, get smaller or whatever, and I couldn't. I fail every time. But this is, like, for sure I'm going to eat healthy now because I have a baby inside me. Like, for sure I'm going to have a fit pregnancy and I'm going to exercise because I'm terrified of gaining what I think is too much weight. I was so driven out of fear, fear that you'll never have the same body, fear that, because you hear this. Mm. You're told so much bullshit when you're pregnant. It's actually wild, but most of the expectations I placed on myself, but all of that, all of that um, guilt and shame and fear mongering I was doing to myself lasted about three weeks Mm. when the pregnancy fatigue hit. And I'm like, getting through my normal day. I mean, I worked full time until pretty much the day I delivered my son and I couldn't exercise. I could barely get through the day. You know, like I, I didn't eat anything nutritious. I ate fast food every day, Mm. you know, but I didn't have the energy to cook. Like I just, I look back and I, it would be easy for me to say I didn't do anything and feel bad about that. But now I look back and I think I grew a baby inside of me. And that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And if you're pregnant right now, like, please do the least. I give you full permission. I mean, follow, of course, the guidance and advice of your doctors and healthcare professionals. But other than that, like, you are doing amazingly well, period. Like, there should never be pressure put on women, but especially during pregnancy. And we put so much pressure on them and ourselves, I think, when we're pregnant. But yeah, again, it's about doing doing what you need to do and not being ashamed of any of that. Yeah. It's just having that kindness, right, to yeah. yourself. And, yeah. and and I know the, the – pro- I mean, I've not had children, but I – but the – not yet, but the the narratives that we hear around pregnancy, it's so – we hear – we all yeah, hear it, you know, and, and it's crazy. And, and it's no wonder that women feel pressure to yeah. be in shape, get back in shape, eat healthy, do this, do that, and – you know, at the end of the day, you're growing a human inside you. So, I mean, that's probably the most it's important incredible. thing. Yeah. And, I mean, I love the story in in that this is kind of where your journey really made a shift, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I'm keen to kind of understand how that happened. I mean, you talked there about, which is kind of the, the hard part, which going through that postpartum depression, anxiety and all that kind of stuff and then making that shift. So what did it start out like for you? to turn it around and kind of... Yeah. So the first thing... Okay, so basically um, I had my son and I have experienced anxiety at different points in my life quite severely. I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder my freshman year of college um, and... When I was postpartum, I everything came back so next level. I mean, it I was very much not well mentally. And I was also very much ashamed of that because I didn't really have much awareness of postpartum depression or anxiety and how exceptionally common that can be and how exceptionally severe that can be and what that can feel like and look like. And it's a terrifying thing to be a new mom and all you've ever heard and dreamt of is this love bubble and this beautiful instant connection and the peace and the energy. And that's true. But there's also 
life is and not or. And what's also true for many women, myself included, is intense fear is um, being afraid of your baby, of yourself, of um, I mean, it it can be when you don't feel those happy, bubbly things, you feel so immensely shameful during that new phase of motherhood. And so this is why I talk so openly about my experience with this because I think it needs to be normalized in a very, very desperate way. Um, but basically all this to say I went to my um, doctor's appointment when I was a few months postpartum. I can't remember if it was my eight-week appointment or a little after that, but they had me do a mental health questionnaire. And I vividly remember filling it out and choosing to be untrue. untrue. Like I, I remember reading the answers and thinking, ah, if I mark what's real, then they're going to think I'm not okay. Mm. So I'm just going to mark it over here. And I thought I treated it pretty well, mm. but they still came in and sat me down and said, hey, you're not really okay. And we're worried about you mentally. And I was like, oh, damn, I thought I, <laughs> I thought I was, you know, just because yeah. I was that, and it's crazy to admit that, but I was that, um, I just felt like I'd be that much of a failure if anybody knew mm -hmm. that I was struggling. And so um, my midwife who um, delivered my son, she sat me down and was talking to me about options, about medications, um, about different things we could try to do. And I was just, I just felt so defeated. And I remember being asked if I exercised regularly. And I was like, no, but no offense. What does that have to do with anything? And she was like, look, it might help. It might not, but it can't hurt. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? Okay, I'm going to try it. And so that whole conversation resulted in me for the very first time in my life committing to regular exercise out of an effort to help myself and my body and my mind heal instead of out of hate for my body. Yeah. And it turns out that that made all the difference. And so I began by walking Anderson around the block for 45 minutes, pushing him in the stroller. You guys call it a pram. <laughs> um, and I just walked. That was my exercise for the first few weeks. And then I tried to do body weight, no equipment, at-home workouts. And I started just little, little, little by little. But it was it was that relentless commitment because the moment that I described earlier about that pure awareness of where I was came shortly after that. And I because I was able to accept those things, I had this intense resolve to heal and change because – you realize nobody can like give it to you. Like you can't be gifted the ability, like physical ability or fitness and nobody can, and you can't buy it. And the same goes for your mental well-being, your emotional well-being. You'll only ever change those things if you put in the work and they'll only ever change for the better. I believe if that work and that resolve and that commitment and that action is stemming from a place of love for yourself, respect for yourself, the desire to be kinder to yourself, 
to honor your body, um, not to shrink it or punish it. So that was why I was able to regularly implement exercise into my life. And it stuck, yeah. finally. And every other healthy habit that and, and choice that I made and shifted throughout that period, that first year, was from that same motive of um, kindness towards myself. And that's how I did it. Yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing that so much as well. And I feel like from those darker moments, there's generally speaking, always something good that comes out of it. And I think you touched on something really cool there too, is that we've got to take that responsibility for ourselves. Like you said, you can't buy it. You can't get it some other way other than you putting in that action for yourself, but also coming from a place of self-love rather than self-hatred or changing yourself in a negative way, that kind of thing, which I really, really love. And that kind of ties in with your whole idea about redefining fitness and why we need to see it in a different way and frame it differently for ourselves, which I really love. Yeah. Look, the motive for your movement, it matters actually the most. Mm. And lots of people choose to ignore it and that's fine. You can change your body composition without that. I've seen it done a million times. It takes insane discipline and consistency either way, but if you do so without coming from that place of, um, from a positive place, a place of abundance towards yourself in any way, and instead if it's coming out of revenge or, again, trying to change your body because how it is is wrong, that won't ever help your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, and it will hurt it eventually. And... I've seen that in so many ways, so many times. So it's like as a trainer now, my goal is to help people understand that doing the workout is great, but look at your why. And you can choose to be intentional about that or you can ignore it and it is and it is what it is. But if you choose to be intentional about it, that same 60 minutes that you're putting into yourself is going to have a much higher positive return on investment for you. In so many ways, right? It can go far beyond um, just doing a workout if you choose to be intentional. But 100%. I I 100% agree with you. And I think one of the things that I love about living an active life and it being such a natural thing now, it it doesn't start that way. When you start your journey, it's not that way. And I remember when I had that moment for myself and I think it was as I was approaching 30, I was like, I want to be one of those healthy people, fit people. You know, you see people running along the beach Mm -hmm. and it looks so effortless. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't at that place Mm -hmm. when I started Mm -hmm. mine. But I wanted to get to a place where it was just normal to me and it would feel weird if I wasn't healthy and fit. But there are so many things that I've taken from what I've learned through fitness that I take into other areas of my life, right? And so it's not just about the showing up at the gym and doing a workout every day. Like you said, the why that motivation, your personal motivation as to why Mm -hmm. gives you that kind of drive to keep going. But also then now you know you can get up even when you don't feel like doing a workout and you've got that discipline you take into other areas. You're gaining confidence. 100%. Because truly gaining confidence is building trust with yourself. That's what real confidence is. Mm. And there's that parallel that you just described People think, oh, no, they're confident because now they look like this. 
but that's not the case. Really, the reason that sometimes that parallel, you see people whose body, you know, looks shift, how their body looks shifts, and then they get more confident. And so it's easy to think, oh, and the world tells you, oh, it's because they look different now, but that's not the case. It's because they are proving to themselves through a million little actions and day after day after day that they are going to do what they say they're going to do. They are learning and building trust with and in themselves. And this is why I say you can have that fitness, physical fitness journey, but still not be healthy mentally because if you are feeding that out of the wrong motive, you're going to, your body composition will shift, but you will still be insecure. You will still struggle when you look in the mirror, no matter what's looking back at you because confidence doesn't have to do with your body fat percentage. Zero. It doesn't. And it's like, I, I want, I, I say this stuff all the time and I just will never stop because we've been lied to about that piece. But on the other hand, you're exactly right. When you do it with the right intention. I mean, it is 2024. We can no longer afford to allow our efforts in eating and exercise to be a detriment to our mental health. Mm. You just can't afford to do that. And why would you when, like you've experienced, like I've experienced, like so many people have experienced, you can take that intention and get clear about it and put effort into it from a positive place and watch your whole life transform and watch as that confidence, you truly do become confident. And then that confidence spills into every other aspect of your life. So why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. Like I think when you experience it, you you really do. You learn so much through the journey. And it's not about, it's not necessarily about the physical part of it. Mm-mm. That's just that's just the avenue through which sure. we learn the yeah. lessons, right? So what are the things that you have learned through fitness that you take into other areas of your life? I mean, so much. Because the journey is right? huge, right? It's such a metaphor for so many things. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of... Um, I feel like the metaphors are endless, but I think there's, it's such a cool, how, how do you grow muscle, right? Like I'm a strength trainer. Most of my workout programs are hypertrophy based muscle building, right? A muscle, you get stronger physically, literally your muscles break down. And then when they grow back, they're stronger. You're tearing your muscle fibers. And so many times I've been like, wow, it, so it is the same with us. Like when life gets hard, when you are torn down, when you are struggling, when you are under stress or under tension, whether that's chosen or not, you always have the opportunity to build back stronger. It doesn't have to be a bad or a negative thing. It doesn't mean that you're failing. I think that sometimes thriving looks and feels a hell of a lot like barely surviving. Mm. And I certainly know that the toughest things I've ever been through have hands down been the biggest propellants of my growth. And um, I mean, that's not unique to me. You know, you hear anyone, so many successful, brilliant people would say the same, right? Mm. So it's, it's about your perspective that you take on those challenges. And I think that's probably my favorite fitness metaphor because it's just that constant reminder, you know, and also that, that in parallel to that, it's like you, I choose to do hard things. I choose to go do a workout. It's going to be uncomfy. It's, I'm not there. It's not going to be easy, 
it's not going to be um, fun all the time, but I'm willingly choosing to put myself through that for the greater betterment and good of myself and my health. And oftentimes in life, the easiest path is going to lead towards the harder life. Whereas if you just choose to face the discomfort and go through the struggles and push through the pain, as long as your intentions are clear, then that will lead to true joy and peace, I think, in yourself and in your life. Yeah. I love that so much. And I love that the whole piece about growth in general, right? And it's like you said, with the muscle breaking down, it, it's and it's often it's those lowest moments in our lives where we grow the most. Yeah. And then from there, I definitely have experienced in my life. You like, well, I got through that. Yeah. So what's next? Exactly. Right? You you got through something that maybe you didn't think that you'd be able to get through, and you get through it, and then that fear starts to dissipate, and I think there's more of a hunger that grows for it. In if that makes sense, I like that. yeah. You know, and you're not so scared of feeling discomfort. You learn to trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Have that confidence in yourself. I can get through it, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. which I really love. Amazing. Now with talking about muscle and growing muscle, and like you said, your your speciality within the Sweat app, especially is the power program, which is strength training, which you love. And I think there's obviously a lot of misconceptions about strength training for women specifically. Yeah. You would have heard all of them. Oh, yeah. So what's the what's the biggest one that you've heard that's complete BS? Hopefully there's just... less now than there yeah. was seven years ago because <laughs> I've been banging on this door for a long time. No. Um, you know, just first of all, women belong in the weight room. They belong in the gym. And you deserve to be there just as much as any dude or anyone else that you see. And every single person has a day one. Everyone starts not knowing what the hell those machines are or how to work them and not knowing what correct form is. Everyone has a day one at everything. And every expert was once a beginner. And I think letting go of that gym intimidation and those narratives is, it's really just so silly if you just think about it logically. Um, Strength training is one of the best modalities of everyday fitness that you could possibly choose for your future health. Growing muscle and getting stronger and building more muscle mass on your body is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to yourself if you are blessed enough to live to 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. This There is longevity in strength training without the plyo or the hit or jumping around. There is something that is And I sometimes love to do plyo and hit and jump around. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying true hypertrophy-based strength training, classic proven exercises and techniques, which is how I build my programs. It's like you're making a small investment into your future health. And that's how I like to look at it personally now, especially. I the way that I train now today is very different from when I started my career as a trainer Mm -hmm. because I've learned these things and I've seen these things in my own life and with injuries and so on, and just understanding that hopefully I will get to age, you know, and watching my grandparents and losing grandparents. And it's like, I want to make sure that my effort and time spent training now is going to help me live my best, healthiest life. Mm. And that doesn't actually mean my leanest, most shredded, heaviest lifting, fastest life, actually, it turns out. Yeah. So... 
Yeah. So for women listening, because I think too, women don't make, I shouldn't make that assumption actually, a lot of people in general might not really understand what the benefit is to having a lot of muscle mass on your body for your health, right? Um, Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, you don't even need a lot. I guess a lot is subjective, right? Mm -hmm. But building muscle, when you strength train, it's one of the best ways to improve your actual bone density. And also the major movement patterns that like a squat, if you do squats every day, body weight squats at least, but if you're, you know, doing external load with squats of any kind, this is one of the best things that you can do to be able to help your postural alignment as you age, to be able to have the strength to stand up if you fall. Just balance and stability and these fundamental things that you learn and that um, you cultivate through strength training are the most important like markers for health as you age. It's not running, you know, that's hard on your joints. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a difference between just cardiovascular health, which is of course important, but also how do I age the most um, healthily and more and more research is coming out that having muscle mass is a huge and important part of that. Mm. I think so many people don't know that. Yeah, I don't think so either. No, I think I feel like we are very much taught about the aesthetics of mm-hmm. muscle and tone and mm-hmm. more in that way. So I think it's it's really important to know those things. Yeah, it's yeah, so simple. The health benefits. It's like I want to be strong enough to hold my grandbabies. Mm. Yeah, functional you know? daily life. Yeah, functional yeah. daily life. Yeah. So tell us about your power program because this is kind of like your baby, right? In yeah, so I actually is- have a few. I actually have 11 training programs now that are offered in the Sweat App. Amazing. And most of those are power programs. Um, power, it's acronym PWR. Well, it's not an acronym. It's just short for power. But power is, power post-pregnancy is actually the very first program that I ever launched. And that obviously was born from my very personal experience in that postpartum phase and the lack of training programs that were offered, especially then, to help women not bounce back, not get their bodies back. But a woman's body changes during pregnancy. Whether she was an Olympian or never had exercise before, your body goes through changes and those need to be attended to. And whether you're resuming exercise or exercising for the first time, you need to ease back into it. You need to be aware of your pelvic floor, of your core strength, of all of these things. And so Power Post Pregnancy was my first program. Power is my second program I ever launched, and that is hypertrophy-based weight training meant to maximize your time and effort spent in the gym, proper muscle group splits. It's so much fun. And that's how I was personally training since I started studying fitness and became a trainer. And then I now have Power at Home, which is a home version of that. I have... Um, Power Strength, which is my one that I released just last year. And that is also born from personal experience and professional experience, which is it's similar to Power in the fact that it is hypertrophy-based lifting and it's meant for the gym. Um, but there's it's all low impact. There In Power, there are some cardio exercises, some plyo. Power Strength is pure lifting, no jumping. And after having an ankle injury and having to train low impact for the last couple of years, I was like, why on earth don't I have a program that's all <laughs> low impact? So um, that there's that. I have, I truly have a program 
to meet you where you are, no matter what phase of life you're in, what your interest is. If you have 20 minutes, if you have an hour, if you want to train at home, in the gym, if you have all the equipment, if you want body weight only, like I have tried to create workout programs that are all based in exercise science and carefully, meticulously written to meet you where you are, to help you simply be active and exercise, to care for yourself and your physical health. And hopefully, if you'll listen to what I'm trying to say, then your mental and emotional and spiritual well-being as well, because I do believe they're all so intrinsically tied together. So connected, incredibly connected. And I love how you've got so many different programs that span, because along your fitness journey as well, um, guys listening, obviously you go through different phases. You're not yeah. going to do the same thing over and over again. And you'll go through different ways of feeling in your body. And mm-hmm. like you said, especially women, we go through so much in our lifetimes. There's yeah. so many different seasons of our life. Exactly. So you've got something for everything, which yeah, is amazing. Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah, it's so cool. So we'll make sure we pop all the links up in the show notes as well to check out um, Kels's programs, all the different ones. But I've got the final three questions for you, okay. Kels. So what drives you? <sighs> I think being alive, I think as cliche as it can sound, the fact that you are alive is a miracle and every day of life truly is a gift and the next one's just not guaranteed. So when I really think about it, it used to be, I think I would have answered that differently even a couple years ago. And part of me wants to say my husband, my son, and they certainly are drivers, but ultimately the fact that I get to live this life with them is wild. And I have this mantra that I um, say to myself every day about four years strong now. When I wake up in the morning, my first cognizant thought, so like, you know how you wake up and you're like, what day is it? What do I have to do today? Like you start to like mm. get into this reality and be like, okay. The first thing that I think, my first conscious thought of every morning is I am alive and I'm grateful. Because no matter what else is true, even during times where I'm facing things that you just don't know how you're going to get through, no matter how heavy the world feels, even when I'm grieving, those two things are still always true. I'm alive and I'm grateful. And when I ground myself every morning with that, it calms me. And it anchors me. And so I think my biggest driver is that, that I get to be here. I love that so much. And you can feel just how much gratitude there is that sits in that anchor for the for, for the foundation of your day. Yeah. Which is so beautiful to have that as the first thought that comes into your mind in the morning. So lovely. I love that. Second question is, if you had to redo or relive something in your life and do it differently, <sighs> what would it be and why? This is a tough question, but you have, you know, maybe those couple regrets that jump out and pop into your mind that you wish you could press, you know, redo on. But if I really get honest with myself, I would have to say nothing only because I... I did this workshop on my retreats last year and I, 
it was a journal prompt of writing a younger to your letter or a letter to your younger self. And I did one, I had done one to myself and it came out as a poem and reflecting on my life in such an intense way, the good, the bad, everything. Eventually I got to this place where I said, if pulling one thread would unravel it all, I would not change a single flaw and I would not spare you from a single fall. And I think I really, really believe that because I'm so... I'm so proud of the woman that I am. And I know that I wouldn't be her without the woman that I was when I made certain mistakes or without going through all the things that I've been through. And so I would pretty confidently say I wouldn't. Yeah. It's amazing. And I feel like it's a tough question because a lot of my guests have very similar answers in that although there might be tough times that we've gone through in our life, they're the things that have shaped sure. who we are. Yeah. Right? And and I love that your approach is, is so much grounded in gratitude, which it, it just it frames everything. It is. And that's yeah. a, by choice, you know? Yeah, it is a choice. Now, my final question for you, Kels, is what is the biggest lesson you have learned in your life so far? The biggest lesson that I've learned, I've learned a lot of lessons. <laughs> I've learned a lot of tough lessons. Um, I really think the most poignant lesson would be gratitude. First of all, that you can choose it and that being a positive person can be something that you become. It doesn't have to be something that you innately are. And I feel like if I look at all of my lessons that I've learned, pretty much all of them reinforce that. That if I continue to choose to be grateful and present in my life, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think it's going to be amazing. And I can also feel confident that I am where I'm meant to be. So. I love that. I love that so much. It's such a, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like just emanates from you. It's an aura, an energy. Oh, thank you. That That's comes so out, very kind. Which is re really beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. I feel You're like welcome. it's been such a lovely chat and thank you for sharing all your very personal, um, very personal stories. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for giving me a safe space to talk about it and to spread these messages for women. And I think it is um, something you should be so proud of to not shy away from the hard conversations and the things that matter because we need each other like this. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Now, the other thing is, where can people go to find you and your power program? Where can they go? Yeah, Instagram. I'm on Instagram, Kelsey Wells, Facebook, Kelsey Wells. Um, I just can't get into TikTok. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just not my thing. Not I've your tried. jam. <laughs> I've tried so hard. Um, all of my training programs are offered exclusively in the Sweat app. So, yeah. 
Make sure you check it out. We're going to pop all of those links up in the show notes. So make sure you check it out, guys. Tell us what you loved and learned from this episode by leaving a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. Screenshot this episode, tag us and share it to your socials. Thank you again, Kels, for joining me on the show. And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Rachel J Podcast. Thank you.